Welcome to the Path to a Better Future on TalkZone.com. Now, here's your host, Jacqueline James Friedman. Hello and welcome to Path to a Better Future. I am Jacqueline James Friedman and today's topic on TalkZone Radio is on trauma and sexual abuse. If you would like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open. Please call 888-463-748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT. We are taking your calls on TalkZone right now. My guest today is Rosemary. She will be reporting on her personal life story starting from years of childhood abuse. Her account of others violating her at such a young age and the outcome will bring a tear to your eyes. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Good. I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. I did. Beautiful. Thank you very much for giving up your time to share your story with me and others who are listening in. I first of all want to go into a little brief on um, sexual abuse. The Incest Survivors Resource Network states that the erotic use of a child whether physically or emotionally, is sexual exploitation in the fullest meaning of the term, even if no bodily contact is made. And then we have trauma that results from sexual abuse when not properly treated can result in a lifetime of PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, depression and anxiety. Statistics revealed through research into sexual abuse have shown that children are three times as likely to be victims of rape than adults, and stranger abuse constitutes by far the minority of cases. So with that said, Rosemary, would that be a good description of where you've been in your past? Yes. Okay. Uh, was there sexual abuse for you? Yes, there was. Okay. Would you like to tell us when that started, at what age? I want to say about when I was um, three years old. Um, I don't recall really certain mm -hmm. parts of my life, so it's kind of hard to sit there and say what I can remember is, is being abused and sexually, mentally, and physically. Mm -hmm. So I want to say three years old. Okay. And do you actually vividly recall at th why three in specific? Um, I recall being very young and small. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Very helpless mm -hmm. during the um, sexual abuse. Okay. How long did this go on for? Until I was about 13 years old. So a whole decade of this yeah. for you. Yeah, okay. Are you okay talking about this, Rosemary? I am. Yeah. I am. Um, okay. Lately, you've heard so many issues going on in the world, and you just wonder, you know, when is it going to stop? If my voice can be heard and help other victims, it's a step further to letting it be able to stop. Yeah, thank you. Can you give us an account of what it was like for you from age three to 13? Uh, 
what your life was like as a child with all of this going on? Hard. Very hard. Just feeling like it was a normal daily thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I never knew it was wrong until I was Mm -hmm. older. And it it took a lot out of me. It took a a toll. Um, I felt like a a doormat um, Mm -hmm. to feel somebody's pleasure being so young and not understanding why me. Mm. It's it's been a long journey, a long road, you know, trying to figure out even myself what I felt, what I really went through. Who were the perpetrators? Um, sadly it's the same. My mom remarried and it was um her significant other. Um, a cousin of mine, and believe it or not, her own sister um, were the perpetrators. Okay, so all people that you knew. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. And and actually, apparently, that is quite typical with sexual abuse. It generally is with people that you know, um, which is even more hard to stomach, really. Um was this all going on at the same time, or there were different people coming in at different times of your life violating you different, like this? Different times. Different times. It started with uh, one of my mom's boyfriends and then, you know, the second boyfriend. And by the time the second boyfriend came along, I thought it was normal. That's what it was. That's what life was. Since I already had went through it so long with the first boyfriend. I never... When he started doing it, it wasn't nothing different because I said, well, you know, this has been going on for so long to me. It was just normal. But when my cousin tried to do it, um, it felt wrong because he was my cousin. He was mm. my, my you know, family member, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel right at that time. And then when my aunt did it, I was like, well, I guess since my cousin tried to do it, you know, then it's okay with my aunt because she's my aunt. So it kind of, you know, hmm. became Did you you know, all... very hard. I'm sorry? Yeah. Was, was this your secret? Did you tell anyone about this at all? No, no. I never told you no one. You kept it to yourself. I kept it to myself because, of course, I felt ashamed. But at the same time, um, I didn't hear them, you know, like my mom and her boyfriend talking about their sexual life or other people around me talking about it. So I thought, well, it's normal, but it's nothing to be talked about. Mm. That's why I never said anything. And that's also very typical too, you know, feeling extremely ashamed and uh, not having someone to talk to at that age. And also feeling like it's the norm, because what do you have to compare to? Yeah. Right? Um, do you think your mother had any hunch? Because there were quite a few boyfriends that were taking advantage. Um, I want to say with the second boyfriend, she did. She did have a feeling what was going on um, mm-hmm. at the time that it was more happening we were in a foreign country so it was 
harder for even her to try to defend me if she didn't know what was going on, just for fear, you know, that we weren't in our country. We didn't know what they, you know, what they were capable of doing. Um, do I feel that she know she knew? Yeah, I feel that she knew. You know, did I feel that she cared? Mm, not really, you know. It, it, I think she just wanted to be happy, and if I was her ticket for her being happy, then that's what it was going to be. Oh, so you didn't feel protected at all throughout this time? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Where were you? You said you were in a foreign country. Where Where were you exactly? In In Mexico. Okay. Yeah, in Mexico. So at the time I was, I want to say, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never been there. I didn't know what it was about. I, you know, this person would come home drunk. Um, I would be laying in bed, and all of a sudden, my mom wouldn't be sleeping there. I would be there, and he would start doing what he was doing to me. So how would she not know, you know? How would she right. oh. not suspect something? How would they approach you, Rosemary? Usually when it was nighttime, when it, well... One of her boyfriends, usually when it was nighttime, um, he would always come to the room or um, if my mom left early to work, um, he would always try to come and he would always start, you know, like fondling me, touching me, um, um, asking if I was awake and I would try to act like I'm asleep so maybe he would go away. Um, Mm. The second boyfriend, it was any opportunity that basically he had. So if I was alone for five minutes, he would take advantage for that moment. If I, you know, if we were in the car and it was only us two, he would take advantage at that time also. Mm. Did they ever tell you not to tell anyone? Um, One of them, as I was growing up, that's that's the last, because she lasted very long with the second boyfriend. So as I was growing up, he always kind of said, you know, hinted, um, if you say anything, you know, you're just going to cause problems and nobody's going to believe you. You know, I wouldn't say nothing because, you know, yeah, you're the one that's going to look like you wanted it and stuff. Or, mm. you know, yeah, if you say something, you know, um, something might happen to your mom, you know, because they'll take her away for you telling stuff or just things like that. Okay. So of course, as I grew up, I kind of started knowing that it was wrong because you hear it, you know, in school and stuff. Mm. That's so a terrible was, shame. Yeah, I was scared to lose my mom, even though, you know, she's my mother. She was the only person I had. And it almost appears that, that you, it was an unspoken secret, right? That you kind of just knew to hold it in, in some way. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. And as I grew older, um... I noticed certain things about me, you know, so I kind of just swallowed it, I guess, and put it in the in the back of my mind and not spoke of it. Mm. What was that like going to school at that age leading up to 13 for you, just knowing wow. that you were going through all of this? Very um, lost. Mm. Very... Um, needy, just 
wanting for somebody to love me, wanting wanting the attention and wanting certain things, you know, that as I was growing, well, I guess I got to do this to get the attention or I guess I got to sleep with this person to them like me or um, just feeling like I was walking on a cloud and it was, you know, I felt so heavy at times and so mm-hmm. light, like invisible. Is this leading up to 13 or after 13 that you were feeling like this? Um, leading up to 13 until now. So then apart from these perpetrators that were taking advantage, you were now also, uh, were you involved sexually with other boys, you know, wanting that love from anybody that you could get it from? Were you actually now sexually active outside of all of that? Yes. After, yes. Because after that, um, he, the boyfriend ended up leaving my mother. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody was in the picture no more. So I didn't have, I don't, it probably sounds weird, but I didn't have that extra attention, the extra love um, mm. that this person was giving me in a negative way. But, you know, it was like, now who's going to fulfill what I, my emptiness or who's going to make me feel like I'm wanted or needed or um, feel good about myself so that I started becoming sexually active Um mm. I did get pregnant at the age of 14. I did have an abortion. Um, I felt that this was the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah. This was my journey, I guess. I feel sad listening to this. I don't know for you, because you must be a thousand times sadder than me right now. Oh, very much so. And I think yeah. what hurts the most is is my mom, you know, just yeah, wanting the acceptance of my mom and being blamed for everything afterwards, that it was my fault, that mm-hmm. I'm the one that asked for it, that I'm the one that wanted it. Um, if I wore a certain kind of clothes, then I was, um, I don't want to say no bad words, <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> I was the B word, you know, I was the H word, you know, I was all these things to her. Sure. You you know, can you just uh, stay on the line? I'd like to talk a little, talk a little bit more about that after the break, Rosemary. Okay. So um, we're going to go for a short break right now. I'm Jacqueline James Friedman, and this is the path to a better future on talkzone.com. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to The Path to a Better Future on TalkZone.com. Once again, here's Jacqueline James Friedman. Welcome back to The Path to a Better Future with Jacqueline James Friedman on TalkZone.com. My guest is Rosemary, and we are discussing her personal story of trauma and sexual abuse. Hi, Rosemary. Hi. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the responses from your mother. Um, you said earlier that there was a high possibility that she would have known that you were being taken advantage of, but never acknowledged it. Yes. Uh, as an, I don't, as a, uh-huh. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. 
I feel that she didn't want she didn't want um to know the truth. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to take responsibility of actions that were going on. Mm-hmm. My mother was abused when she not sexually, but she was abused uh, verbally mm-hmm. and um, physically by my father. So I think also she wanted acceptance with okay. somebody that she wanted to feel love also. I see. So I guess she wanted just to close her eyes and not imagine that that could be happening. Have you ever talked to her about what happened? I have. I never mentioned her sister. Mm. But I have mentioned, you know, the guys and my cousin and stuff. But she don't want to hear it. She Mm. starts crying and starts getting in her moods and um, tries to change the subject. Two mm. words doesn't exist. So instead of us talking, we end up arguing, and we stop talking for days. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've not really had a childhood, have you? Not at all. Not at all. So where was your support in all of this? <sighs> Myself. Um, having what I guess you can say an imaginary friend type, um, somebody that I think was me, Mm. but if I would look in the mirror, I would see somebody else. If I would talk, it would be a different voice. Mm. So it was really hard to understand certain things. Because I couldn't explain things that were happening. Yeah. Are you okay to continue with this, Rosemary? Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, okay. Um, You know, it's interesting that you you mentioned imaginary friends because many years ago when I first started in the field, I actually worked with children who were sexually abused, abandoned, and neglected. And one of my particular children that I counseled had an imaginary friend. She was very, very severely sexually abused at a very early age by her brother, her biological brother. And she had a friend. I I don't remember the name, but we used to play ball. She would actually throw the ball to me and I would have to then throw the ball back to her imaginary friend. and, And so it went in this circle and her friend, she would be talking to her. Um, and she would also talk to her during in, in the child in the classroom. So, um, can you talk to me a little bit about that, so that people can understand how this works? How what did works? she look like? What did she look like? Um, did she, she look young. like you? I was no. She, I was about ten. And this little girl looked like she was about six or seven. Um, you know, she looked Caucasian, blonde hair. Um, you, 
I would look at her and she would look back at me or if I would talk, she would answer me. Um, certain things, you know, that if I was having a bad day and stuff was going wrong, she would she would console me. She would tell me it was fine. She would tell me that um, she's there for me, that she was never going to leave me. Um, mm. If if I if I um, felt if I was crying, I felt her there. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to explain, you know, this other person that I can't tell you if, if she existed or not. You know, I really don't know. I don't, to me, she did. To me, she was real. To me, she was my my best friend. Mm. And, you know, now that I try to look for her in, in my mind, I can't find her. And, mm. and I stop and think, I said, she was always going to be there. Why did she leave? Now, it's interesting because she was younger than you as well and uh, quite the opposite of what you looked. Did she look like any other children, you know, in your childhood years going to school or anything like that? Did she look familiar to you? No. Um, okay. I, I, as you know, getting a little bit older, I kind of just said that because my dad, he was Caucasian. He had blue eyes. They had blonde hair. They had, okay. uh, you know, all these looks. And I would sit there and say, maybe I was just thinking that maybe that was me when I was younger. You know, maybe that could have been me if it would have been, if my mom would have still been with my father. Or maybe that was my present life or, you know, my mm. past life or something. I couldn't explain it. Mm. What kind of things would she say to you? She was caring. She was mm. understanding. She was um, loving, I guess you can say. Mm. She's the only one that kind of felt the hurt I had inside. Mm-hmm. So all the needs that you required this friend gave you. Yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned that she had a, a different voice. Yeah. Her her voice was sweet. Um, okay. She never yelled at me. She never um, judged me. Mm. Never. Um, she never let me feel less. Mm-hmm. than the person I was. How long was she around for? Oh, my God. I want to say several years. And I hadn't remembered her, so I started going to therapy and talking about certain stuff. That's when I remembered. Mm-hmm. That's when I remembered her again. And it felt like I was abandoned again. It's kind of weird because mm. <laughs> mm. if she exists or didn't she exist, you know, is this person real or wasn't she real? So, like, when I started remembering her, I remember she would always say, don't worry, you know, you can always count on me. I'm always here for you. Um, I'll be there for you. And and I forgot about her. So I don't know if it was me or her. Can you sort of recall if she left after 
the sexual abuse had discontinued or was she around for a little bit longer after all of that? She was around for a while after all that. She was. So she hit your adolescent years. She was there too. Yeah. Yeah. And were you able to make friendships? Just normal friendships with other girls or guys? You've had no No. friendships in your past. Not at all. What was that like for you when looking at everybody else, hanging out with their friends as an adolescent? What was going on with you at the time? Wow. Um, I felt like um, I was there, but Mm. I didn't exist. Like Mm. a shadow walking behind somebody, um, never having nobody to talk to, um, being told, oh, what a loner, what a loser, you know, stuff like that. It was hard. It was really hard. And, And also when I was young, my mother didn't allow me to have any friends or anything. Why was that? I don't don't know. I don't know. She, like I say, you know, she knew about what was going on. Maybe she didn't want these friends around so it Mm. wouldn't happen to them. Mm. I really can't explain. Now I really don't have, you know, I know people and stuff, but I'm not, and I'll talk to people. I'm really open, you know, I'm really talkative and friendly and stuff. Mm. But to sit there and say that, um, I have all these friends and stuff. No, I accept what comes and I accept what goes, I right. guess. Because you've never had that bond with anybody, even in your no. early years, right? No, not at all. Mm. What about relationships? How did that pan out for you? Oh, God, I've been married four times. Several boyfriends, um, several one night stand relationships, mm-hmm. um, several confusions. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing, you know, one one moment I would be in one spot, and the next moment I would be somewhere else. Not knowing how I got there, who took me, um, being told that when they when I went with them, that I found it different, that I was a whole different person. Mm. Now, were you using any mind-altering substances at all? No. no I've no, never so... been a drug user. I've never been a drinker. Nothing. <clears throat> and you found yourself in situations that you just have no recall of how you got there. Yep, Exactly. How often would that happen? Very often, especially when I was 13, 14, 15, um, 12 years old. Um, I always, like I said, I always had a a thing for, you know, older guys, especially, you know. um, One moment I just remember I would be talking to them, and the next minute I would be in a hotel room and... um, not knowing how I got there, what had happened. Um, mm. If I had sex or not, I would figure I did because, of course, I was nude, but not knowing 
turning around and asking this person, you know, what happened? How did I get here? And he would just mm. look at me and be like, you know, well, you told me you wanted to come or something. And I'm like, no. Oh, you know? wow. Wow. Okay. Rosemary, you really do need to stay on the line. Okay. We have to take a short break. I'd like to get into this a little bit more after the next segment. I'm Jacqueline James Friedman, and this is the path to a better future on talkzone.com. We'll be back with more right after this. You're on the path to a better future on TalkZone. Here's Jacqueline James Friedman. Welcome back to The Path to a Better Future with Jacqueline James Friedman on TalkZone.com. My guest is Rosemary, and we are discussing her personal story of trauma and sexual abuse. Just before the break, Rosemary was discussing how she would find herself in situations that she has no recall. So, Rosemary. Yes. Uh, you have absolutely no recall of how you got there. In Not the situations that you were in? No. Do you remember the conversations leading up to leaving, let's say you were in a bar, for example? Do you have any recall of the conversations that you had leading up to going to the hotel room, for example? No. So um, just a complete block? Yes. I remember one time going to the club with my friends and <laughs> um, ending up in a car with a guy that I don't even remember dancing with or being with or my friends looking for me and calling me and wondering where I had went. Um, them telling me that that didn't seem like me, you know, that I wasn't, I, me, I wouldn't just leave like that. So... Mm. Were they worried? Of course, you know, and did I know? No, I didn't know. I didn't even know kind of when I snapped back, I guess, to realizing what was going on. I was in the middle of having sex and I'm like screaming, hey, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? You know, you're the one that brought me here. You're the one this. And I was like, what? No. You know, I felt ashamed, stupid, um, lost. Mm. Now, it's interesting because you said you would snap back. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for me? That one time, like, snap back, I felt like I was asleep in a dream, mm. and I was lost. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I don't remember ever talking to the guy. I don't remember ever being peruscious with him. I don't remember, you know, like asking him to let's go have sex or let's go this or let's go that. I don't remember any of it. But when I came to, I was in shock for where I was at. I didn't know. I I felt lost. Now, were you with friends, you know, in the evening? You were with other people that would yes. see you leave? Okay, and that they thought was not normal for you to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, did did they ever say to you what happened, or or did was there any 
um, date rape drugs involved or anything that you're aware of? No, no, not at all. Um, they even thought, because I was, when we were in, we were in a little group, and then the group, you know, one of my friends, she's like, all of a sudden you just left. You know, we were, she, one of them said, we were talking to you, and you just walked away like you didn't even know us. You mm. went up to the guy, and you guys were dancing a couple of songs, and after that you weren't there. Mm. So, it's fascinating. <laughs> I don't know. I said... No. You you also said something earlier where you said that you felt like you had two different personalities. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I've suffered a lot growing up. And between those ages, 12 to 15, 16, um, there would be times that I would find myself, I guess you can say, um, feeling myself, but and then turning around and being somebody completely different. Um, I would, I would be told that my voice would change, uh, that certain ways that I would dress, mm-hmm. um, that I would be super promiscuous, um, that things that I would laugh and say, you guys are crazy. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I wasn't like that. I could have been dressed in one way and then turned around and went to change and, you know, been dressed like if I was standing on the street corner. Ah. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I've lost a lot of my, my, I've lost so much in my life. I don't remember so many things mm-hmm. that it hurts. It hurts a lot. But these recounts of uh, your friend seeing you changing like that is all that you have to account for how you'd end up in a hotel room, for example, and the changes in the personality, and they said your voice would change also. Yes. So almost Um, almost like being on stage and going into a different character. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... that's really interesting because, you know, that that can happen with uh, severe sexual abuse. Um, there's a question I have to ask you, actually, relating to all of that. Did you ever feel a sense that you or the world was unreal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would pinch myself sometimes to figure, like, okay, is this really happening or is this not happening? Is this really true or is this not true? Is it a mirage or is it, you know, I would ask, I would constantly be asking myself questions, you know, like Mm. to the point that I would even answer myself and then I would say, oh, my God, okay, I'm crazy because I'm answering myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, And clearly you've mentioned that there was loss of memory, forgetting your own identity because now you became somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, or you were someone else at the time, but not really, you, you just don't understand any of what was happening. And in psychology, we call this dissociation. Have you heard of that term before? I have. You have. Okay. Have, okay. Have you, you ever been in therapy before? We'll get into this a bit later on, but have you been in therapy earlier in your years? No, just recently. Just recently. Okay. 
All right. So that term dissociation almost seems, um, it's so apt for the situation that you're just telling me right now. I am lost for words with how much time you've lost. Um, you've, you have moved on to have children, correct? I have. Yeah. Okay. What's that been like rearing children with just all the suffering and the pain that you've had to endure and your memory losses? How, how does that look like with rearing them? Very painful. Very painful. I don't remember certain part ages of the kids. You know, I don't remember how much they weighed when they were born. Um, I don't remember certain things that happened as they grew up. When they come and tell me, Mom, you remember this? I tell them yes because it hurts so much that I can't explain mm. that I don't remember. Yeah. I have You're- a little one now and it's like I try to mark everything, note things. So when she's older and she comes to me, if I got to go back and look in that book. Okay. I don't know what it is. And I was going to ask you, I'm glad that you're doing that for your last child. I was wondering if there were any pictures that you had taken along the way with your, how many children do you have? I have five. Five children. So um, along the way, did you take pictures that might shed some light on that missed time? The pictures that I have taken, when I look at them, um, I can remember certain things. Mm. I can remember that they were taken and where, but it, like if it was an event, I can't remember what happened at the event. Say my daughter's, um, first communion. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at pictures. Oh yeah, she did her first communion. Oh yeah, we had a party. Who was mm-hmm. there? I don't remember. What did we do? I don't know. So the loss of time has continued into your adult life also. Very much so. And still continues today. Yes. Yeah. And it does scare me because I'm a mom, you know. I have my little, I have a four-year-old, I have a 13-year-old. My girls are older, you know. I have a 23-year-old and a 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. So those older kids, I felt mm. that I've lost so much with them. With mm. the two younger kids, I'm afraid that since I don't have nobody really around, I guess you can say, mm. to kind of catch if I'm doing something wrong, to kind of see that if I'm becoming somebody else. Sometimes my girls say I'm bipolar because one moment I'm one thing and the other moment they're like, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Mm. Um I can't explain it. But they see something different in you. Oh, yeah, very much so. Mm. Did you ever write a journal? I have, and I would read it over. Mm. 
and I would kind of um, rip it up after because mm-hmm. I didn't like what I read. Or there were certain things that were in there that I don't remember writing. Mm. And I didn't want nobody to, to read it, to get a hold of it. With the hand... Ashamed, uh-huh. ashamed of what was written in there. But you don't recall writing those pieces, for no. example, that you didn't like reading back? No, I don't. Did the handwriting change at all when you started reading something that was not, very much, not to your very liking? Much so. Really? Mm-hmm. What what would um, it look like compared to your normal handwriting, for example? I could see that, like, when I started writing, it was nice mm. handwriting. Um, the second one was more, it looked more professional, like more upscale typewriting. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, it looked like scribbles, like kids, six, seven-year-olds barely starting to write, going into first grade. Hmm. I never could explain it. I thought it was maybe just me getting tired or something, you know, of writing. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. So would it look somewhat erratic? You know, scribbling, erratic, kind of? Just like a more childish handwriting, I guess you can say. More... More regressed, um, more regressed in the language also? More... When it was professional, there would be some words in there that I would be like, I didn't even know I knew how to write that, you know, <laughs> or what am I talking about, you know, or something like that. <laughs> and when it was kids, like, it looked like more younger writing, it would be more of a events of uh, playing in a playground or something or things I would want to do, go have ice cream or, you know, or certain things that, you know, kind of go back to like a childhood thing. And Mm -hmm. um, when I would start writing it, it would be more like something that I would understand. And when I would start reading it, I would be like, what am I writing? You know, what did I write? What was this? You know, professional wise, you know, when did I ever work in a, in a big firm or something. I don't know, just words that I didn't even understand what they were. Fascinating. Rosemary, please stay on the line for the last part of our segment, okay? We need to take a short break. I'm Jacqueline James Friedman, and this is The Path to a Better Future on TalkZone.com. We'll be back with more right after this. Let's return to Jacqueline James Friedman for more of The Path to a Better Future on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to The Path to a Better Future with Jacqueline James Friedman on TalkZone.com. My guest is Rosemary. We are in our last segment, and I just don't have enough time with you, Rosemary. So, um very quickly, just to recap on the conversation we had just before the break, um, the journals. Do you have any journals at all that you kept? 
I don't. Nothing. Don't. Wow, because that would have been interesting to take into your therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would have. But the last one I had, mm-hmm. I have forgot where I had placed it. Mm-hmm. And I was cleaning my room and I found it. And things that it said in there, I didn't want nobody to to read that or know about that. More, I not say not my therapist, but more mm-hmm. like family members. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, what if my kids would have got a hold of this? What if, you know, um, my husband would have got a hold of this? What if, you know, it would have got thrown in the garbage and somebody else would have read it? Sure. Is it somewhat unsafe for you to write this journal? Because when you finish writing it, do you know that you've written your journal or do you put it down somewhere that you can't recall either? Is that the danger in this? Yeah, both. Because I, I do forget, you know, I, like I said, I do have a lot of loss of, you know, memory and where I put things and, you know, like I say, sometimes I can know what I'm writing and I'll write it fine and sometimes I don't understand, mm. you know, half of the things that are in there. Um, mm. Am I afraid for somebody else to get a hold of it? Of course, you know. Yes. I'm a normal person, you know, but just inside I have some issues <laughs> that I need to fix. Now that we're talking about fixing issues that need to be fixed, how are you making the changes to walk the path to a better future? Therapy. Therapy. I mean, a lot of people might say, you know, it's a bunch of bull that it doesn't work and all this stuff. Um, I had, I started going to therapy. I stopped for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, And I ended up going back to therapy, which that's where I want to stay. I mean, I feel comfortable, relieved, um, sort of to the point that I feel satisfied for the day because um, I'm trying to get better. I want to get Mm -hmm. better. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better for my kids. I want to not, I want to find what's making me forget. So I can find that issue and mm. forget about it so I can remember what I need to remember. Have you found the therapy helpful for you? Is it is it mainly talk therapy that, that you're yes. going through? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. How, how helpful have you found that? Because it must also Very, be quite painful bringing up a lot of issues from the past. It's been very helpful because the therapist that I do have, she is very um she'll she'll put her input also mm-hmm. and i like that i don't want somebody just to sit there and hear me i want somebody to respond i want to know that i'm being heard and mm-hmm. she does do that for me you know she'll respond and she'll be like asking questions and i'm like i'm not just sitting there talking my brain off and then somebody just mm-hmm. turn out uh huh no she's I know she's listening and I know she's there because she's responding to me. And is that important because no one responded to you? No one heard you? It's very important. It's very important to know that if I'm going to go and tell my issues, I want to know that I'm speaking to somebody and they are listening to me. Yeah. What are some of the solutions that you have in order to kind of make those first steps to making it better for you? Apart from the therapy, what other steps are you taking? 
like I say, I keep, you know, like if I do something for an event, I write it down and I write certain things on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be more involved in my kids. But when I am, I kind of try to want to take somebody that's going to help me remember what happened that day. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I'm just going day by day. Is mm-hmm. there a solution? Only I will find out in the future, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, will I ever be fixed, as I call it? Only God can tell, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have, I don't, I can't answer certain things because I don't know what the future brings for me. Yeah. I want to take a deep breath for you, actually. I am so grateful and I am so honored that you have taken this time to share this story. It's, it's deeply fascinating. It's heartfelt. Um, and you're a very brave person, Rosemary. And, and I, I really, really wish you all the best with your therapy and, you know, just thinking about the solutions and interventions that we have here. I almost feel if you could get a journal with a lock and key on it, that it would be good for you to start writing again, just to see what's going on. Um, I think that have you ever had some kind of memory recall testing or anything like that, just to see what's going on with the loss of memory to rule out no. anything. Okay. No, so that, never. okay. So a, a referral for that would be really good to rule out, you know, what's going on here. Um, the talk therapy is going to be really important. Um, do you feel depressed or anxious or do you have any PTSD? I feel depressed. I feel anxious. What the last one you said, I'm going to be truthful. I don't know what it is. PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. Did you get any flashbacks at all from your past? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You oh, do? Yes. Okay. So the, 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 the solutions are going to be also to have a treatment plan that's going to take care of uh, some of those issues that you've just mentioned. And also maybe you might want to consider the possibility of uh, medication just to, just to help um, reduce some of that depression and anxiety, just to help you along the way. Um, so that would be my suggestion at this point. Um, I'm going to call you after the show is done, Rosemary, because I know this really brought up a lot of your past. And if I feel pained, I know that you must be feeling very pained right now. So I'm going to check in with you after the show and make sure that you're okay. And once again, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Thank you for listening to Path to a Better Future with Jacqueline James Friedman on TalkZone.com.